A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Folks, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. This is Rob D. You can always catch me on Twitter at Dead Pull Hitter. Just wanted to remind everyone that I got the Pull Hitter Patreon going up. And if you haven't joined yet, come in and take it for a ride. See if you like it or not. I promise you I am hustling and putting out content every day for everyone to be able to utilize for not only NFBC leagues, but I think it has a trickle-down effect for any kind of format that you play. And... um it's really awesome. The Discord channel is fantastic. There's almost 200 people in there just constantly giving fantasy baseball advice, sharing news, lineups. It's just a really cool little community right now. And uh, it's exactly what um, I would hope it would be. It's just a little community of like-minded people and we're just all making each other better. And like I said, if you haven't come, check it out. Um, the link, it will be in the show notes. It, the link is also pinned to my Twitter account, at Deadpool Hitter. And uh, for $5 minimum, that's the first tier you can enter in, and you'll get seven podcasts a week minimum. I do daily notes for the previous night's box scores, news, injuries, stuff like that. And the top tier will get you uh, a prefab article as well as fab advice in the Discord. That's strictly for anyone who signed up for that tier. So um, it's fun. I hope you guys come share share this journey with me and support my work. Um, yeah. So anyone who has obviously done so, appreciate you guys so much. Um, we really have something special there. And I think we'll get more and more people as the season comes along for sure. But uh, this podcast is going to be um, free for this is going to be in front of the paywall all season long, just like it was last year. The fab main event review, um, just going through, taking a look back at all the players that were acquired, the trends in the acquisitions as well, how much teams are spending on a specific position or a specific player. And yeah, so. Um, I got my friend Dom from Reliever Recon. You can find him on Twitter at Bopen Guru. Another great Patreon site that you could join. The Reliever Recon guys do a hell of a job. And Dom um, is joining me this year to write an article on my site on PullHitter.com. So that will be also free for you to read. Uh, you can head over there now. And it will be attached into the tweet in the show notes as well. And um, we're just going to go through this every week. And uh, Dom will write an article and we'll podcast together recapping it just like it was last year with Todd Whitestone. So, um, yeah, I think Dobbin did a f fantastic job. Uh, 
writing his first article, first two articles, recapping the main event, Fab, and uh, we just had a wonderful podcast in which we give our thoughts to, this one kind of ran a little long, they're not going to be as long um, going forth in season, but we spent the first half hour or so discussing our main event um, time, you know, our live drafts, our strategies, and how we entered into the first couple of weeks of bidding, so we kind of recapped a whole bunch of things that um, we just, you know, threw out there for context, and going forward though, we'll just do a nice quick blast of the recaps of the main event fab and um if you don't play in the main event uh this content will still help you because um it's been shown that the main event fabs are ahead of a lot of other standard leagues so um if you really want to get a kind of look into how players are being acquired in the main event leagues you kind of get that it's it's really interesting and the data is there in the NFC to use and to utilize and that's what we discussed in the podcast as well how you can use it um to aid in you know it's another tool in your toolbox to win in fantasy baseball so all right that's enough of that um let's get on with the show Alrighty, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast, your destination for actionable resources and tools to grind your way to ultimate fantasy baseball success. I'm Rob DiPietro, the Dead Pull Hitter. You can always catch me on Twitter at Dead Pull Hitter. Make sure if you haven't joined the Patreon yet to head on over there. Um, the link is in my profile. It's pinned to the top. We have so much fun stuff going on there. For $5, you get in the door. You're going to get at least seven podcasts a week from me. That's it. And that's that. That's minimum. And then we have multiple tiers to give you whatever you need with Discord access, actionable, um, sit, sit, start questions, lineup questions on the fly all day long. Um, we're getting back at with the NFBC main event fab review. Um, and I got my good buddy here, Dom, from Reliever Recon aka at bullpen guru on twitter he wrote my first the first article for the pullhitter.com website this season on the fab review and we're gonna hear talk about it in article form and audio form dom what's up today hey what's going on rob thank you for doing this with me i think it's gonna be a fun ride and i know that you kind of have a little bit of um of like not reasoning to like extra motivation to do this article but it's going to help you with your play. You were telling me you feel like you're just going to spend more time doing that macro level, like stuff that um, fab needs, to, you know, you need to agonize over so many things player wise, but when you get to see the trends of bidding, like, like really dive into it, it really helps you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like already um, just looking at it, like from a total contest standpoint compared to what I did last year, um, you know, I think I mentioned to you, um, you know, I, I would pick and choose certain players and see what they were doing. Um, and, and you know, I guess that's somewhat useful. Um, but when you actually really see, you know, from the total contest, like who the popular ads are, who the, the drops are, um, you know, I, I mentioned in the article this week, um, the unopposed bid summary and just looking at those players, I, I thought that was a really interesting list of players of just, you know, um, you know, certain guys are getting added in in like a dozen leagues completely unopposed. Um, 
you know, why, why is that? And, and, you know, we could talk about it a little bit in terms of those players, but just looking at a lot of um, what's going on in the whole main event um, from a bunch of different angles, who, which players are the most expensive, um, you know, which players are, um, you know, have really close backup bids. So, you know, they're, they're highly sought after. Um, it's just really interesting and giving me a lot of um, early insights. And that was one of the areas I think I struggled with last year was just um, just the overall fab maintenance, you know, trying to decide when to spend, when to save, who to target, when to put to drop, you know, drop your uh, big bid, um, you know, and so that was just one of the things I really struggled with. Um, so I think this is definitely going to help me personally. So I have my own, um, you know, personal edge to gain here, but yeah. I think it can also help the readers so and listeners. Absolutely. There's, there's so much value to be had here. And um, especially, you know, I was using week one data from last year to kind of just remind me, not so much, obviously the players are going to change, but I was trying to identify archetypes, like which, which like those believers that go for so much money. Um, we'll talk about it a little later. But before that, I wanted to just um, tell me about your your um, dive into main event. This is your second year doing it, right? Playing yes, my second year. Okay. Yep, correct. And, and how was your um, experience last year with it? Did you feel like... Um, it was uh, everything is, you know, people talk out will be the main event, the NFBZ main event. I uh, I got my ass kicked last <laughs> year. I think I finished 11th. I think I finished, uh, I don't know, around prior hovering around 600, five, 550, 600. So, um, you know, it was not it was not a good main event year for me. Um, I had a very good year DC wise, but um, just really got pummeled. Uh, with the main event, I think, you know, my, my weakest part was, um, the fab maintenance. I mean, draft, I didn't do myself any favors with the drafts, but like, um, you know, I, I, I made some good fab moves and then I made some bad fab cuts. Um, mm. and I had some regrets that stood out to me in, in throughout the season that I kind of never really, um, got over I, one that comes to mind right off the bat, uh, just, um, Brandon Drury, I, I was struggling on infield, um, you know, mm -hmm. early in the season. I I, I lost um, Rendon and I just was struggling to find a middle infielder. And I, I you know, I saw Brandon Drury and, uh, you know, I know I've talked to you about him before, but, um, you know, I was really interested and I was like, all right, this is perfect. He's got eligibility everywhere. He's hitting the ball hard. He's in, you know, Cincinnati. He's finally, he's getting playing time um, and he's healthy. So, you know, I'm going to go big on him. And I, and I, really just like that that whole weekend i remember i was constantly editing my bids and i ended up about i don't know maybe like 20 20 bucks short and i was like i needed that guy and this mm. was it was up at a point in the season where i had plenty of money and i was like what am i saving that money for you know like i i might have been like 70 some odd bucks and he went for like 90 and i remember it just killed me the rest of the year because i just i couldn't find um an infielder whether it be middle or corner that um, I could keep in my lineup the whole year. And, and that would have really changed a lot for me because uh, I was just constantly churning the bottom half of my lineup, trying to find somebody. Um, so that's one where I just, you know, I, I was waiting for somebody like that to come. And then when the, the you know, the opportunity came to grab them, um, I didn't bid enough. So that that's one that killed me. And then 
there are others that are that are much worse than that that we can also talk about drop wise but um you just gotta yeah. remember too though like I, I I try to keep things in perspective a lot. I have some bad drops and maybe some guys that, oh man, I could have gone like twenty more dollars for. But for every brand and jewelry that consistently has a great year throughout the year and you're like, man, I should have had that, there's there's guys that you can pony up for and be like, that was terrible that I went that extra twenty. So I just try to keep things in perspective like that. And I also like I've done such a better job in the last two years with really not getting hung up over one specific event. And whether that be at the draft or during fab or a non-start, it's almost like that quarterback mentality, right? You throw a pick and you just got to move on. You just have yeah. to really just keep going forward because that's what happened in my first main event. I too got pummeled. I too came in 11th, but um, I, you know, First experience um, online draft, and I said, okay, I'm going to get Nick Castellanos. I'm going to get Lance Lynn, and I'm going to go 20 spots ahead of ADP to get them. And when it came to my pick, I was at like 24 spots ahead for Castellanos, and he went like two spots before me. And I was like, oh, and it cut me really, really, really deep. And then... Two rounds later, Lance Lynn went way ahead where I thought I was going to get him. And my brain went into a bad place. And I, from that day, I said, I can never act like that again. I can never have that emotion of, fuck, I'm done. Because really, you're not, you know? No, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I've just been really trying to teach myself to do that more and more um, and just get more cutthroat with that. Okay, just just move on. Like, you know, bad Already, I, you know, um, early drops, right? Um, one one league. Okay, so Matt Veeling, I really like his skills. He doesn't start first the first variety. I'm like, fuck you, you're done, right? <laughs> now he's going nuts. And yep. he started first variety. And now I'm like, I hope he just has a bad week now so he might be cheaper in fact this yep. weekend. But, you know, it's it's tough. And I just think you have to really try to add it up. It, you know, just remember that it's long season and you can make those kind of you know, things up. Um, so you, you drafted live this year in New York, right? Yep. Yes, I did. So um, tell me about that live experience being in the room and being on like a real like clock. And, um, and I think you probably agree, but the clock live feels a little less stressful than the clock online. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know why that was, if it's just, you know, the fact that I, I wasn't paying close enough attention to the clock maintenance. If it's like the clock doesn't start until, um, you know, Tom or Greg say the name or just like, you know, kind of just the rhythm of it. It just mm -hmm. feels like, you know, it just doesn't feel as short as, yes. you know, it, it, maybe it's that I was a little more prepared and kind of everything was going according to plan. So I wasn't kind of scrambling like, you know, honestly, like in the first 10 rounds, I, like um, pretty much went according to plan in, in my live main. So that kind of for me. Um, you know, it was a bit of a relief. I don't know if it, it that went that way because, um, you know, we, we did so many gladiators in the off season that like, even if I didn't have kind of my target, I, I just had so many backups and, and alternative plans to go that like, I just, in my, my mind, I had a plan for every different scenario. And I think, you know, just having all those reps in the gladiators of doing that one minute clock and just kind of doing different builds and, and playing with, 
you know, really good players. Like, you know, it, it just going to that live event didn't seem as intimidating as it might have been if they didn't have the gladiator contest and I didn't do, you know, uh, gladiator with you guys and with like Phil and stuff like that. And it just kind of, you know, takes a little bit of the edge off to me at least. Mm -hmm. Um, it and, also has uh, that fast decision point that we're not uh, making, yeah. right? Like, yeah. We're not like, usually it's OC time in the beginning of February and I get my first taste of fast draft, but we're doing draft in November that we had yeah. to make quick decisions on. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was saying to a couple guys. Cause the way my off season prep went was like um, I jumped in the first DC that was available like during the world series. And I did just a couple DCs just like reactionary based on my own, you know, opinions of how the last season went. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't look at really anything. I was just drafting off my phone, looking up names of guys I wanted and just grabbing them. And then they opened up the gladiator contest and we all started hopping in those and that, that filled a bunch of months. And once again, I really hadn't started doing any analysis. I was just doing $50 gladiators based on, you know, what, what time, you know, every, all the guys wanted to do a draft and yeah. uh, you know, um, the peer so pressure then, of drafting of hopping into a gladiator, you yeah. see the list and you're like, I don't really want to draft against Jason Dupont again and Zach and Dom again, but it's like, eh, well, buddies, this is fun. It's, yeah. it's not it's not a high stakes league where I, we're just like playing in four main events against each other, but yeah. just yeah, it's it's fifty. It's like it's like a it's like a friendly bet against each yeah. other, basically. And, and, yeah. and I and I think I said that when we did the first gladiator, it was just like this is like amazing for me because it's just getting reps of being on the clock. Because like I don't do I don't do OCs. Um, I last year I did eight DCs. I did two online auctions and I did a main. So, so it's, it's pretty much slow drafts and, and auctions. It's just different than being on the clock for a minute in a snake draft. So for me, it was, it was an awesome practice. Um, and, and so I went from, you know, gladiators up until mid January. And then I started doing my actual like player analysis and I, I was doing some DCs, but those pretty much dwindled off by like early February. And then I was just pretty much like, all right, I'm just going to lock in until the main. And so, like, the days leading up to the main event, I was like, man, I haven't drafted, like, on the mm. clock in in so long. I was like, I hope it doesn't feel, like, insanely fast. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think that allowed me the ability to just not really be panicked, at least early on. The last, the last 10 rounds, I was panicking a little bit <laughs> because I just wasn't prepared for those last 10 rounds of the draft. Yeah. Um, Might have lucked out. I drafted a couple guys. I drafted Gavin Stone right before he had like whatever that eight strikeout minor league start was. So he became a stash for me. I drafted Kyle Gibson just based on his first week and let him hang around on my roster. So there's been some, um, some useful picks in that the last 10 rounds that have kind of worked out so far. Yeah. Because we, I, you know, I think we play so many, um, at least when I do my decision trees or like my KDS set, um, strategy you know like all right in the first 10 rounds i could do this or you know not exactly plan to plan but you know i i, I can go six sps and they could be here here and here and once you get to that back half yeah i i try to just really i set myself up with like a little grid and a spreadsheet and it's just every round every position from like 22 on like you know who I'm willing to take there, and then I just have guys in bowl that I want to take, regardless of what their ADP is. And I just, yeah, I, and but sometimes the list just gets 
washed like and you're like okay you just gotta go and just now because that's that's the spot where people really really get their guys you know it's i think that's happens more than up at the top in my opinion you're gonna you know anyone going past 350 you shouldn't expect to go in that same range there's so much variance there just like with the you know you know with the players themselves they're less projectable there is more variance in those players so you get more of the guys to be like i'm taking this is where i take that's where you take your shots you know yep Yep, absolutely. And yeah, I think I think drafting live is just you don't have to rush and fumble to like click your mouse on this button and hope you don't make a mistake. Yeah, you could just true. you know, it could just be yeah. like five you got five seconds left, Rob, and you'd be like Ozzy Albies. You know, you could just calmly yeah. say a name. Like yeah. you, you don't have to fumble around or especially, you know, you can get stuck on like multiple spreadsheets. I personally love like I know some people think they they're more focused at home, but at home I I get so caught up in different things. I got something in my room that catches my attention, and I'm like, oh, let me pay this electrical bill <laughs> while while I'm in round eleven of an online championship. Like something random and like, come on, like focus here. But live, you live, you just in it, and it's truly awesome. But um, so let's talk a little bit about this fab off season so um fab season so far how have you approached the first two weeks um did you get involved any of that that first little mini week and um you know then how did that roll over into this um last sunday bid that we have yeah so i so i did i did two mains so i did one in new york on i believe it was the 18th and then i did one online the night of the 25th so it was the night before that first fab run so um, I kind of learned my lesson from that first main and I, I made sure those last couple rounds um, of the second main, I had a layout of like pitchers for the first two to three weeks of, of matchups that I liked and, you know, um, just getting relievers on my roster to make sure that um, if I didn't have enough starts, I just used relievers. So I didn't participate in the that first week fab for my second main in my first main. I did make a few, um, a few tweaks, um, just in terms of like I think I, I cut Austin Nola after he had he got hit in the face and then he got hit in the wrist or something like that, and I was just like I, I don't need an injured catcher coming into the year. Um, so I think I made some small, um, some small fab moves, and but then this this week was the big week in my opinion that, um, I kind of came in with a mindset of, um. A lot of people are going to be like me where they drafted their team for this first week. So, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of teams had a lot of cuts to make, you know, just because the season started on a Thursday. So people knew um, if I if I don't have enough starts, I'm going to pick up relievers. And, and and that's something I looked at was just how many teams had cuttable relievers, in my opinion, that weren't like closer stashes. And I was just like, this seems like there's a lot of guys that are going to get cut. So. Um, and everybody has a thousand dollars, give or take, going into this Fabron. So I'm going to be a little more aggressive if there's somebody I really want um, in terms of, you know, fitting fitting need popping out to me. Um, so that that was my approach. It just so happened that in both leagues there was somebody that was available that fit what I was looking for. So um, you know, in my New York main, Rafael Montero was available and. I was a little concerned about um, 
about Ryan Presley, just something seemed a little strange given mm -hmm. the news about him and, you know, the arm shaking stuff. Um, and, and I told you too, like I had, I had Bautista and uh, Michael Fulmer were my only two quote unquote closers there. So um, I would, I'd pick up Montero and just put him in my lineup for ratios and whenever he could pick up um, a save when Presley wasn't available. So um, just kind of fit my team perfectly. So I was a little more aggressive than anybody else in my league on him. I think I was in the seventies on him. And then my other main, the only league that Logan O'Hoppy was available in. Um, oh baby. Yeah. I, I needed him bad because, uh, I'm doing the Shea Langoliers thing on both my mains. <laughs> the so, Shea Langoliers thing. It's a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm doing the Shea Langoliers stash while I'm waiting for him to get catcher eligibility, which um, in that league had Blake Sable and uh, Eric Haas on, on my team. And uh, both did not have a particularly good weekend behind the dish, just in terms of uh, game calling. If you watched any of the Yankees series, Sable, caught once Bart uh, got put on the IL and I think he had like three pass balls in an inning and then Haas was just they they said he was just calling a terrible game the um, game that Turnbull got lit up in yep. in uh, Tampa and they're just like he should not be behind the plate they're like he is just a disaster he like is terrible at framing he's he's calling a terrible game which I, I don't you know all right if he's calling a terrible game let the pitcher call his own pitches with the pitch com. So, right. but, uh, you know, er everything that I'm seeing like was like, yeah, he he's terrible behind the dish. He should not be here. Like, um, so I was, I was a little, and then to top it off, Oh, hit a Sunday Homer. So I was like, mm -hmm. of course, of course he hit a Sunday home run for the guy that I need for my team just fits what I need. Um, so I was very, <laughs> yeah, because even if it him. doesn't make everyone else super aggressive, like, you know it and you're like, wow, everyone right. else is going to be, yeah. The Sunday stats, man, it crazy how much it could influence it. It's yep. so wild, man. It's yep. oh God, I try, I try to taper that expectation too. It's like, yeah, man, it's only one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, he, he, like, I think he spent the weekend just like hitting the shit out of the oh, ball. Yeah, like, yeah. I think him, so. Yeah. yeah. So I was just like, you know, so, um, I was, I was, I went to like two eleven on him, which was very aggressive compared to the, I think the backup bid was like in the nineties. So, um, a little bit of an overbid there, but, um, you know, the only reason why I did it, I didn't intend to get that aggressive. It's just those two players fit like exactly what my team needed. So um, if, if neither of them were available, my, my aggressive approach would have been like maybe throw an extra like 10 bucks on a guy. If I really feel good about him and mm -hmm. I really want him, just because, you know, there's a thousand dollars, everybody's, you know, burning a hole in everybody's pocket. So that was my, my thought coming in was just kind of the combination of, teams with a lot of cuts to make and a lot of money in their pocket. Right. Yeah. That's, um, man, I was like trying to just be reasonable. And also too, I was in Vegas, um, for that first fab run. So, and it's kind of crazy, but you're just doing so much stuff that you forget that you have teams that you drafted before Vegas that probably need moves, you know? Yeah. So, um, and again, I, I, I try not to act too quickly, but I only had that one main event, um, that I did on the Thursday. So on the Sunday though, the, the biggest thing that happened was Juan Yepes was optioned to the minors. 
So I had I took him as a late, you know, power stab. And that's, you know, and I picked up Veerling cheap, one buck. Uh, I still have I held them in that league, but um, so I just didn't want to do too much. And even in in this past go around this this past weekend, I was trying not to react too quickly. Um, Luis Urias was uh, a goner for me. Um, I dropped Trey Wingenter because again, it was just like a stash to see if he gets a you know like a stave off of that first weekend. And it's crazy how again how quickly we react. You're like oh you know he didn't get the opportunity. He's gone, but you know, I I I took a shot at Bryce Miller in that league to um to stash him. I just felt like it was like a Strider moment, like last year that I didn't take, and I want to take those shots this year when it when it's there. And I think it just lined up with Bobby Ray getting hurt. I just felt like yep. he's gonna make an appearance or two in AAA, be really dominant, and they're gonna be like, we need him. Yeah, and, and so I took a chance there, but again, I wasn't trying to do too too much. Um, got rid of another hurt guy in Pepio, and that could be a mistake. Maybe I should have held him, but you don't really know how the timeline is. You don't know if it's going to come back effectively, and it's a late enough pick, in my opinion, that I I don't feel too attached that you have to hold him. Yeah. Um, Dil- Dylan Carlson was an easy you know drop, um, but now who knows? Tyler O'Neill's in the doghouse, so he's still causing it. Yeah, play yeah. Um, but. I tried to keep it small, reasonable. Um, I didn't go high enough for like a a guy like Trevor Larnack, who was really good, kind of guy like I really wanted. But again, I just try not to get too bogged up in high bids. Like, yeah, I I really been trying to do a better job of that in the last two years of keeping keeping like any bid under a reasonable price. I went high for Vinny Pascantino. And in essence, like it helped me because I needed power and and like just good bats. But, you know, I I look back and see the guys that I could have grabbed, um, you know, if I spread it around a little more. So, yeah, I, but um, but when the opportunity presents itself and there's a big guy out there and I usually try to like equate it to where they would go in ADP and try to make like a dollar value that would make sense you know like okay this guy's a top 150 guy uh so this is the guy i need to go up for um so i tried to keep it nice and reasonable in the first week or two and you know not not be too reactionary because there's so many guys that we draft for a specific reason and you have to remember that like i drafted this guy for a specific reason let me give him a week or two and see how things unfold and you know try to save save a buck or two here and there yeah but um yeah you you and, touch you touch on a couple guys there though that like so so in my first main I'm just looking at my transactions now so that first weekend I I also had Yepes I cut him for Trevor Larnock um mm-hmm. and no, when yeah. I did it in the first mini in the first fab run yeah in, yeah in, so in you the, probably the, saved a whole bunch of money there so, right so yeah I was kicking myself so I I put twenty three bucks on Larnack and uh, the backup was four so I remember I was sending screenshots and I was like fuck I overspent already. <laughs> And, uh, you know, but, but the, you know, the next week I look at what he went for and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I, I don't feel so bad about, you know, going after Larnock there. So, um, mm-hmm. I did the, the camp, I, I swapped out Campusano for Nola, which isn't really working because Campusano isn't really playing as much as I thought he would, but again, doing the Langliers thing. And then the other one I, I, uh, tried, I picked up Wingenter. Um, for three bucks unopposed and uh, cut Brad Keller who had a decent start his first time around. But uh, 
yeah, Wing Enter went back to the wire this week for me when I went after Montero. Um, but uh, in terms of the Strider thing, so that was one of the names I was going to bring up last year. So last year, my main, I picked up Spencer Strider for seven bucks when he was pitching out of the bullpen, kind of thanks to my, you know, the stuff I do for reliever recon. I was like, this guy is throwing, you know, four, five inning outings out of the pen, throwing 99. Like, I didn't even care if he didn't start because, you know, the quotes from um, from the manager then were, he's going to stick in the pen. He's, you know, he's going to stick in the pen. He's going to stick in the pen. So I was like, all right, whatever. If he's throwing four or five innings and he's, you know, lights out and he's getting strikeouts, I don't care. It's, it's still useful and he might pick up wins. He might pick up saves in this role. So I'm cool with mm -hmm. it. Um then he kind of went to like one or two innings at a time and he was really pitching like more it seemed like he was pitching like a traditional reliever and i was like all right well and and again snicker was like he's not he's not moving the rotation so once it was like a couple of outings just traditional out of the bullpen you know i i needed the spot like it was just, so i was like all right he's not getting a shot to start so i'm going to cut him i cut him that week after i cut him they put him in the rotation. He went for like two hundred and like thirty <laughs> something dollars. Yep. And uh, so that so that I kicked myself about that. So so you know I'm trying to be a little more patient with guys that are on you know really good teams with these skills. So I did draft Michael Grove in that mm -hmm. New York main, and I was gonna cut him that first fab period, but you know he had that he had that outing, and then. Um, Pepio got hurt. And so I was like, he's really close now. Like if anything else happens or if, you know, Grove doesn't really work out or, um, you know, really just any, anything could happen. Right. Like Kershaw, yeah. you, you don't know about, um, yeah. so, you know, so he's, he's a stash for me right now because I'm trying to learn from my little strider incident where you have guys <laughs> with this kind of talent. Um, you just got to, give him a little time to see what they're doing. So he, he's throwing right now actually in AAA. So I was I was watching it a little bit while I was doing work before. Um it's doing all right. So so yeah, so uh yeah. Those Sometimes are a couple of things that kind of, you know, combine with what what you were mentioning um for your yourself. So Yeah. I think it's um again, I kind of look back and see like what I did wrong, like or not what I did wrong, but like I ask myself why didn't I bid on this guy, you know, or why didn't I attempt to, you know, make a move on this pickup? Like what? And that's what I've been trying to do since I first got into the main event. Like I, I mentioned the the first main I got smacked in and, you know, I was in, I was in the room with Phil Dussault, Rob Silver, Gecko, and I was watching the fab and I'm like, well, what the fuck is this guy going to do for $3 this weekend? And you see them produce and you're like, huh? And you just like, you, you dive into things, you know, you just, trying to learn process from other players and it's just that's how you learn and that that's what's cool about the NFBC. all that stuff is accessible right and yeah you can see everyone's bids history and it's really cool but i wanted to ask you so doing your work for reliever recon i gotta say first of all anyone who doesn't subscribe to the recon patreon is just not doing it right because you guys just knock it out of the park um but what what you do specifically i think is really really cool because um, I only play in one daily move league, right? Um, so I remember first reading your articles and I was like, okay, this, this is, 
this is pretty cool. This guy, this guy's really forecasting a lot of like, you know, vulture wins and save. This is a pretty cool process. But then I started to pick up like, again, this is, you know, I think a lot of like what good content does and good, good analysis does is teach, you know, and this is going back to when I first really took my first big step in fantasy, going to baseball HQ and like learning analytics, you know, 10 years ago. And like their whole thing is just like, they're teaching you how to fish, right? There's like, yeah. These are the things that work. These are the things that pop. These are what makes these players good and it's developed a process. And I think what you do teach it, like that's what you do. Like for me, at least um, again, even if it wasn't so much a daily league play for me, when I transferred it to NFBC and you start to pick up on those things, this lefty pitcher comes in when this righty starts and you can identify those things and you could put it together and you can gain valuable innings, you know, from the middle, uh, you know, like a bulk guy or, you know, a guy who comes out of the, as you like to call them, froops. Um, so I just wanted to thank you for that because you've taught me to identify those pitchers a lot better than I personally have. So um, cheers for you for doing that. And I think it transfers really well to any style format like that you play, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. I, I appreciate that. And yeah, like the, the logic behind it, I guess it's probably like, you know, I know you, um, you mentioned you always played, uh, like what, what is it? Strata, uh, Stratomatic, Stratomatic, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, I, I just, I always did like the, um, like video games where you're like managing a team, like as a kid. And, and I would always like, um, you know, sometimes I'd, I'd be like obsessed about like putting the rosters together and like simulating and like, you know, mm -hmm. that type of stuff. So I, I just remember as a kid, like on my N64 playing like Ken Griffey Jr. baseball playing seasons with like a team yeah, I put yeah. together and stuff like that. And I think I always think about it like that, where it's like, all right, like put yourself in the shoes of the manager. What do you what would you do? And like, so, you know, I kind of just caught onto these tendencies especially like bullpen management um it's just gotten so it's gotten so important in the actual real game of baseball um yep. you know and you can see that with like these guys that are like getting contracts as like setup men and stuff like that it's just becoming such a, an important position for teams um and you know starters are going less innings and relievers are getting more of the more of the wins than ever um and you know i think what really caught my my eye was like what the rays were doing when they started using the opener a couple years ago and like ryan yarborough and yanni chirinos were like win like they every time they came they had a guy pitch one inning in front of them and then that opened up the ability for them to get a win by only going you know they could go three innings yep. and, and still get a win because like the Rays were good and they had that starter eat that start ahead of them. So it just opened up the ability to come in and like the team take the lead and them get a win. So I was like, all right, so this is how, this is how you have to do it, you know, to get wins on a cheap, especially in leagues that have start caps. So um, it's just kind of, that's kind of started the process of trying to identify it. And then, yeah, I started, noticing like teams like the brewers would follow a lefty behind a righty like adrian hauser would start and go about five innings and then um Suter would come in after him you know teams would platoon more Suter for life yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know and so you kind of picked up on that and you know last right. year um 
I, I still had those tendencies, but it wasn't as, um, as obvious as in, I guess, 20, last year was 2022. So in 2021, I just noticed a bunch of good teams doing it. And like, you could really like, you know, take advantage of it. Um, not as much last year, but you know, still, um, I, I think it was about six, yeah, 60% of the time I was saying, this is the guy that's going to pitch and he pitched that day. And, um, you know, so for, for NFBC, yeah, totally. Teams are starting to use more relievers to preserve ratios, especially late in the season. So if you know, all right, this reliever is probably going to pitch Monday based on his usage patterns. And then maybe he'll pitch again Wednesday or Thursday. And then maybe again on Sunday, like that's, that's a start right there. And yeah. that's three appearances that that's three more opportunities to get a win or a save than yeah. a one start, you know, middling pitcher. So it just, you know, when relievers are taking up, you know, 45% of the wins, having a reliever make three appearances potentially in a week um, might be more valuable than, uh, you know, your fifth or sixth starter if they're on a bad team. Hundred percent. So, like yeah. there, there was if you if you put Michael King's like amazing stretch last year versus some you know SPs that you can get off the wire, they're not even close. Because yeah, not only is the ratio, but he he was beating them in K's too. You know, yep. and yeah. I think there's like there's specific builds that meet that. You know, um, there's specific ways you could utilize those players. Um, and I think like one way is is to like. Really, like if you want to hammer home innings and 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 K's early, right? You know, yeah. like early in the season, and then maybe you don't have that like all the saves that you need, but you you accumulate some guys that can not only, like I said, not only the ratios, but it's the strikeouts as well yeah. that can really really do well for you. And um, yeah, all those little stats matter, man. Yep. You could good you could really stream a good SP with getting getting some of those um pitchers. Uh, so before we move into the Fab article. You're doing the Shea Langoliers thing. How many people are going to be doing the Francisco Alvarez thing this weekend? Eight percent owned in the main event. Uh, might be coming up. It's 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 going to get juicy for him. Yeah. Fab. Yeah. Um. Is there is there a report uh, about what Narvaez like what Narvaez has going on? I I know he came out because of a calf, but like I, I you have to think it's going to be an IL stint if he you know hurt his calf. Like you don't you don't just right. like play the next day so yep i haven't i haven't dove in yet i've been pretty much busy all day so i haven't really gotten into the news yet today but yeah um, yeah i mean the thing about alvarez right like he he wasn't up because they have scherzer and verlander like you can't have him catching scherzer and verlander right mm -hmm. but verlander's hurt and they can't hit so call him up and just let <laughs> ne let nito catch scherzer and let alvarez catch everyone else at this point because like you know the, the mm -hmm. thought was you need him to play every day. Well, guess what? You need his bat every day, and there's a roster spot for him. So, um, you know, the only thing is, he might it might take him two or three weeks to get catcher eligibility. But uh, the, the the bat will definitely play as long as they play him. But with how the lineup looks right now, I, I think you have to you have to play him. You have um, to give him a look. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that myself. Absolutely. Okay, so before we get into your uh, uh, article, I'm just going to let you run with what you wrote. I just wanted to jump back to the looking back part of Fab. So um, 
all the fab from last year. I, I kind of keep in a little spreadsheet and um, actually have all the bids and stuff available on the Patreon. So if you're a member there and you're in that top tier for the fab, you get to see some of the bids, you know, all the bids that were available last year and that people made. Again, I was trying to say like to identify archetypes, right? So in the second week last year, Josh Lowe went for max $613. You know, went for absurd prices. Uh, Daniel Bard was went for 300 bucks max and he went in 14 leagues. Um, and then you have these guys like, you know, Tyler Duffy, Jorge Alcala went for as much as 160, you know? So I was just trying to identify those like, okay, like these are the guys you have to watch out for. And I think that's kind of what made me a little hesitant about Pierce Johnson. Um, you know, just like Danny Jimenez, like they just went first prices. I'm like, wow. Like they, they might not be the closers, you know, a hundred percent. And who knows, like the, the Daniel Bard thing, I get it. If people say that he, they don't think he's a good pitcher or as effective as last year. And that's fine. But I just thought it was a lot of money to be spending on a closer that just may not have it for as long as you think. And then on the flip side, I was looking at all these wonderful pockets of value that people got Spencer Strider, like you said, in that week two, he went in 23 leagues for a max of 47 for a minute of $1, right? Tyro Strada went in 18 leagues for a max of 55 bucks. Nico Horner went in 17 leagues for a max of 49. These guys gave you, Tyler Anderson went for a max of 21 in 13 leagues. Like these guys gave you year long value. And I just tried to use that as a template as to like, you know, just temper my expectations for my bids and just to really keep things in perspective as, yeah, you know, obviously the earlier you get these guys on your team, they they give you the most value year long. But at the flip side of it, it's just don't get so crazy in the prices. Um, And another thing is the drops too, right? We were talking about the drop before and I noted like three guys who really caught my eye. So Brady Singer, he was dropped in 29 leagues last year in week two. He was drafted in 46 of 47. So people were on him, but he got assigned to a pen roll. He got, you know, he got eventually went to triple A and people just got rid of him, came back to be a stud. Miles Mikolas was uh, drafted in all main events and granted it wasn't the 220 that he went this year. Like what now it was like 345, but yeah. he had one bad start. And so many teams dropped him, you know, just from one draft, one bad start. So two things that I got to try to look at and learn from is keep the bids, you know, just temper your bids the, that first week and also make sure that you're not making irrational drops. So especially especially on the pitching side, right? I just think pitching is imperative to just 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 like hold it until they really look like they're not going to be effective for you. Yeah, and especially a guy like Nicholas who, you know, it's it's not a guy that doesn't have a track record. He's been he's been in the majors for a couple of years now. Um, you know, yep. and he's on and he's on a good team in a good park. So it's like what, you know, you're gonna he might not be useful every week but he's gonna be useful so like you have mm -hmm. to really make sure that what you're getting is is useful um it's kind of like where i'm at with like kyle gibson right like um he's on he's on a decent team in a good park um i'm not gonna throw him out there every week but he'll have useful weeks for me when, you know, when he's pitching at home, when he has favorable matchups, he's a guy where it's like, yeah, I, I can't cut him. He's a, he's a veteran. It's been around for a while. It, his rotation spot is secure. Um, you know, 
just yep. yeah can't can't the quality can't on react. Man, a 15 yeah, team exactly. league yeah yeah you're gonna need that like you said um you can't treat that as like uh like i need to start this guy every week you, i think you just nailed that right there i think a lot of people get into that mentality maybe where they feel like well this guy's not a starter this week and or that week but it's not about being a starter every week if you give if you use him once in three weeks and it's seven innings with a win that's you know it's better than what you're going to get on the wire right, right. and then totally. you have to fight for everyone for that kind of pitcher on the wire so yeah again nothing sexy but like you said good park um and he he's had some changes in his arsenal that is kind of you know juicy so um yeah i, to I totally agree with that just 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 give your pitchers a leash because i think if we're seeing anything is season is we're gonna and and last season too you know you played in the main you saw what was available on the wire yeah so just keep them on your bench until until it's a real it's a real like yeah clean pinch end. roster yep. pinch or something like that where you're, you just yep. have too many injuries and you really you have to do it right 100 um, percent. okay so take us through your fab article here tell me about your layout and what you're really trying to lay out for everyone here on the website yeah yeah so i mean on honestly anybody that reads it if you have any feedback in terms of what you'd like to see or whatever you know feel free to let me know but the way i thought about it was i'm going to look at it from a league summary first so what i did was i laid out um every league that's in the contest how many ads were made in that league along with the total amount of money spent in per league to give you an average um spent per edition so you know if you look through it, you can see there's a league with um, as many as, let's see, 35, um, 35 ads last week. Um, and then there was a league with as few as 14. So, you know, pretty big mix. I think I chalked that probably more up to when the drafts occurred. It looks like the league number was lower. So I think they probably drafted one of those first couple of days, whereas the, um, the league with the least amount of transactions was one of the last four. So it was the league True. that drafted probably on opening day. So, you know, they probably had a lot more information in terms of setting um, their teams up for the, that whole, you know, 10 week period. So, um, but, but it is interesting to see that, you know, how, how many additions were done in leagues that drafted that late um, and just what the average spend was, you know, if you could, you look at, um, you know, you'll, you'll hear people talk about main event fab on different podcasts. Um, but if you're in the contest yourself and you look at your league, you know, oh, my league at, you know, the average spend uh, is like 23 bucks and there are other leagues that are spending 60, um, you know, you know that you have a little more money in the league than others do. So when, mm -hmm. you know, if you're reading fab recommendations and things like that um you know i know that's popular everyone reads vlad's article and stuff like that but those recommendations kind of you know you need to adapt them to your league and how much money is still on the table so um right. very early but just another consideration as well as not not everyone is uh equal as you can see by how much is spent there are there are teams that have spent over it looks like over 1300 more dollars than other leagues that's that's like a full I I, team and a half <laughs> of fab just gone. So, yeah. you know, it, it makes a big difference, but I did want to ask you since you have that, that data and, you know, uh, I know you mentioned reliever recon. I obviously subscribed to um, pull hitter Patreon, which is amazing. And uh, I just love, you know, setting my lineups and listening. I, I love doing that last year when you did it, the, the 
the uh, lineup setting pods. I, I would sit in the summer on like a Friday and, you know, w when you had those out, I would just listen to them as I was setting my DC rosters. And I, it was like, you know, just having a buddy next to you, to basically, you know, talking baseball, telling you what to do as you're setting those lineups. So it made it a lot, uh, a lot easier for me to do. Um, so I wanted, but, but I, the thing I didn't do is I, I hadn't looked at all this stuff that you preloaded, just been really busy with uh, personal stuff going on. So I'm, I'm barely keeping my head above water. Um, how does the spending this, these first two weeks compare to last year, just in terms of, um, you know, it might be easier to just do on a per ad basis. So like the average addition in that first fab period was 20 bucks. The average acquisition in the second week period was 36 bucks. How does that compare to last year? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> last year, the, um, so there's, there's, there's more teams now this year, right? There's, um, I think there's seven ninety five total last year. There was seven, seven Oh five, but okay. yeah. So the, um, the average per bid was last year in week two was 34 bucks and 90 cents or $35. So right on par. Yeah. This week was this past week was 36. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the overall was actually different, you know, because of the amount of teams. So like right. last year, last year, the total fab dollars spent was like 36,124. And that was on, um, a thousand and thirty five bids. So 1400 bids in week two, um, is, is a lot, you know? Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. So the average though is, is, is right on par. And for that yeah. short week, the short week, um, last year's short week was uh $19.76. Yeah, so 20, it's 20, bucks. Up to 20. Yeah, yep. so yep. same so, thing. So, so yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty cool. Like, and and that's why I love this. Like, we could do everyone has their takes on player evaluations, right? But I really feel like to be successful in the main event, like, you, you don't have to look at this. I'm not, I'm not saying you need it to be successful, but it's there. And I think, like, talking about it, looking at it, analyzing it, it just really adds another thing to to help you be successful and i just i love it like i like some people may think it's maybe nonsense to look back at all this kind of um data but it's there and we can definitely use it yeah yeah i agree and and yeah. if anything it just kind of you know it, it almost like i don't know it kind of like puts your mind at ease a little bit where it's like you know you can see how things are going compared to last year. And if you felt like you, you can react, like if you felt like early on you weren't aggressive enough and you had money to spend at the end that you didn't, you know, you can see like, all right, the spending isn't as crazy this year or, you know, it's, it's on par with last year. So like if you had money to spend at the end, right. You know, as things are going right now from an overall contest, the spending is pretty equivalent. So it's like you can adapt to the environment. If you, if you realize that spending is going up, then you really need to get more aggressive um, to react. So, you know, um, it, it might all blend together with, you know, 53 leagues and 15 teams in each. And, um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's, it's valuable to just look at and analyze and just, you know, be comfortable with from an overall perspective. One um, thing that was a little higher though was the average amount spent per team. Um, so last year there was um the average amount spent per team in week two was about fifty one bucks, and this week it was sixty three. So okay. that that's that's a little higher, but yeah. um, you know, I I think that's I think that comes down to just um, I think there was more 
there was more people taking shots, I think, this season, from what I saw in draft season, because of um, for the young people, like the young prospects. I think that they were because we're kind of seeing the writing on the wall that more organizations might include these guys, and 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 that we're trying to dash them a little earlier, like in mm. drafts, and then that first week comes and we we'll, we'll replace them with um, you know an actual guy who's going to be right off the bat productive and in like getting full playing time. So I think True. that's where most of the higher dollars came from, but um, yeah, so let's get into the, uh, the actual player acquisition. Yeah. Summary. Yep. Yep. So after that league analysis, I, I look at players a couple different ways. So the first way I look is just from total number of teams added. So I, I look at the most popular players added. So, um, you know, those guys this, this past week were Pierce Johnson, obviously added in every league, Michael Grove was added in 52 of 53 leagues. G1 Bay, Joey Weimer, Andrew Chafin, Plesak, Garrett Cooper, Tyler McGill, Danny Jimenez, Johnny Brito, Trevor Larnock, and Trace Thompson. So those were the players that were, the, the, I think it was the 10 most added players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all I, I think I put in the article all kind of makes sense to me. It's either um, opportunity, speculation, um, or performance, um, you know, Weimer got called up. Yep. Grove got Pepio's job after the last fab run. Um, Pierce Johnson, the Bard News came out uh, after the first fab run. Um, so all all, all kind of makes sense to me. And, and then so then all, the next. They all make sense except for Zach Plesak, right? Yeah, well, looking <laughs> back, I mean, you know, he he's if you look at the matchups, the matchups I know. the next three weeks are juicy, but uh, you know, it's I'm never exactly back, right? Yeah, 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 no, and I think it's yeah, you're totally right. It's 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 this is opportunity, um, everywhere, um, especially like Juwan Bay, like okay, you see, wow, they're really gonna use him over Jack Winsky, and it seems like that's the case, you know, he's starting, um seems like got the edge over him to start and see his his electricness on the field he's 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 a really fun player to watch um so i i just wanted to ask you like in general how do you feel about that the closer spend do you, do you think there's anything anyone here that's going to be eventually worth the ads like so pierce johnson you know 135 average bait he, he went for you know over 200 in 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 12 leagues um yeah. just starting with him like you think that's something uh that's you know I, i'm not gonna say reasonable to do but like is that something that you feel like yeah this was money well spent or you think <sighs> it's risky I think I definitely think it's risky. Um, you know, I actually in in one of my mains, I I just had a feeling about Bard. Um, so I drafted Lamette. Um, the reason being is that first week was a four game week, so I was like, all right, worst case scenario, um, if Bard pitches back to back days or or is there some there is something up there, um, maybe he gets the job. Um, so I I was kind of already speculating there, but that was with you know, I think my 30th round pick in the draft. So mm-hmm. I kind of had a gut feel. Um, obviously, Pierce Johnson got the first opportunity, but my bids on him were really small. There's just, you know, um, Bard, I, I realized the the yips are a serious issue. He's already dealt with it once in his career. Um, but, you know, he's not, he's healthy, like physically. Um yep. 
and he just got a big contract. So whenever he is ready um, to pitch again, I would think he's going to get the job like without any issue. Pierce Johnson, I think he led the league in hit batters last year, like like ever for a pitcher. Uh, or, um, uh, so you know the control is an issue, and then we haven't seen him pitch in Coors yet. We haven't. Um, so th there's just a lot there that is not in his favor. That, um. You know, I, I did have him in my bid list, but it was much lower and it was at a point where I knew I wasn't going to get him um, right. anyway. But but uh, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, triple digits is, is definitely a risk uh, that I would not be willing to take. Yeah. And it's cool, too, because like I like again, I look looking at the drop that some of the people made for him. You know, and it's like someone dropped Kyle Muller for him. And that's tough because I just think that he's going to be like an effective pitcher. So I didn't pitcher going forward again. This is, you know context of of rosters but um and and he was straight up picked up for daniel bard um in three separate instances you know like daniel bard was the drop for him really? and, uh, yeah. yeah and wow. i think that's interesting too because like at at that point i think i'd want both of them right yeah i mean if you have bard i think it kind of made sense to just grab pierce johnson as well um and and not drop bard yet i just think that there's because we there's so uncertainty in the news about Bard. Um, and I again, fine. If you feel that last year he overperformed and he won't be as good, that's that's one thing. But like you said, there's nothing physically wrong with him. Um, and yeah, it's just there's no news yet. So I just I would prefer to wait for some news first. But I totally agree with Pierce Johnson too. Like always runs a high whip. Um, I liked him. He I think he was like. You know, he was like my late DC special, you know, a couple of years back, you know, where it's like uh, those guys that you're speculating in the 40th round. But um, I, I don't feel comfortable with him taking over this role 100 percent. And what about Danny, Danny Jimenez, too? I mean, I feel like we don't know what's going on there, too. And and and, and he just went for a lot of, you know, a lot of money as well. Like as high as 363. Yeah. Yeah. I um I don't think I had a bid in for him. Um you know, I think my mindset is um, Trevor May. I would think they're trying to audition him, but honestly, that bullpen is just there's there's options there. None of them are particularly good, and the team is so bad that yeah. it's just not worth chasing. In my opinion, I think there are um, there were relievers available on better teams that. Um, you could have gotten this week cheaper that I would have preferred to speculate on than to chase this. So um, spending team, you know, team spending a hundred dollars selfishly. Um, I'm happy because that's less, less money that they'll have um, later in the season for guys that I don't particularly want. So it's kind of the best case scenario. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's so funny too, because like, um, it's the guys in this list like Trey Trace Thompson. Um, I was I have him in a league and I was ready to drop him. Like he was a drop, you know. He, he played yeah. he played one out of three games to start. It was like okay, clearly he's just not going to play against righties or minimally. And then Sunday he gets in versus righty after sitting versus the first two and he hits a homer, then two and then three. And I'm like, huh. 
and it was so weird because in the back of my mind, like I still kind of want to drop him. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah. then like he gets picked up and then he doesn't play the next two games. And it's, it's, it's tough. Obviously there's, there's a lot of reaction to it. Like, that's a monster game to have. And it's just like, no, nah, it's like, he got no thank you for that by the Dodgers. It's like, all right, here you go. When, when, when we're ready to call your name, you come back in and be ready again. Um, yeah, it's just crazy what that again what that one Sunday can do to your yeah. brain. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, you want to move on to the your next section here, the most uh, dollars spent total. Yeah. So, so then you know the next view of it is just total dollars. So, okay. Um, it's pretty much it, for the, for this week. It pretty much aligned with the players that were added. I think you know in yep. future weeks it'll be a little more interesting in terms of once there's you know, pl- teams that have less money in their pocket, it, it won't necessarily be as um, perfect as the most popular ads being also the players that have the most money spent on them. But the one player that was interesting to me was, um, I'm trying to look here. Uh, I think it was Will Smith. Will so Smith. he's yeah, the one gonna... player. Yeah. that yep. He's the one player that wasn't one of the top 12 players added in terms of um addition volume that was in the top 12 in terms of dollars spent um where you know he went for an average cost of 82 bucks and that was you know i I guess you can thank the uh the pitch clock for that one because if it was a previous year sunday night game that game might not have been over by 10 o'clock oh great point yeah great point and uh, nobody would have known that he was getting a save, and he probably wouldn't have been added. I I would guess he probably wouldn't be added in in more than a handful of those leagues, and probably would have been for a couple bucks. So if you spent, if you were one of the guys that spent eighty two bucks on average on Will Smith, you can uh, you can thank Rob Manfred for for costing you fifteen, <laughs> you know, the combined fifteen hundred dollars in fab. Uh, spend on him in the contest because and, yeah, and there were competitive bids for him. Like you, like the the, the lowest runner-up bid was five bucks. Um, every other one was pretty much above twenty-four, but a lot of bids were close, like sixty-seven, fifty-nine, sixty-six, fifty-five. So, and again, I still think that's it's. I know it, that's a big talking point too. The, the whole Texas Ranger um, arm barn, but I, I. I still don't think it's going to be like a one-way thing. I just thought that was also very reactionary of the Will Smith thing. And because, you know, a lot of people were pointing to like, well, Jose Clark's rested. But at the same point, too, like Will Smith hadn't pitched at all that, you know, this year. Yeah. So uh, you could flip that, too. But um, that's going to be interesting going forward. I think I still think Clark's going to get more of the looks in general. But Will Smith definitely going to get some, for sure. Yeah, I mean... I- Leclerc picked up the save today, right? He, he did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so you know, early returns on that, um, not not the best for anybody that that you know reacted to that move. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Leclerc's a guy for me. His control definitely worries me, or worried me coming into the year draft um, in draft season, and. Um, you know, the relationship with Bochi is there, but you know, that that's, that's years ago now. Um, Will Smith's a different, you know, he's a lot older now. Um, so I know you're, you're a big Leclerc fan. So, uh, <laughs> he won know, me I, a lot of money. We're talking about biases. He won a yeah. lot. He, he won me a lot of money when he had that really great season. I'm like, 
I'm like stuck to him for that. Like, yeah, you know, no, I, I yeah. like he, he took me to, you know, he took me to a tropical Island with my wife. So, there you, go. you know, yeah. that stays in the back of your head. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, I think it's not some, it's not something that's going to resolve itself very soon. So if you're, you're one of these guys that reacted and added him, you're going to have to stick around with Smith for, you know, a couple of weeks before you really feel either that he's not, he's not getting the job and you're going to have to cut him or, um, or he has the job, but I think it's going to take weeks to materialize. So it's kind of one of those things that you're, you're now, you know, married to him for, for quite a bit um, yep. based on the bids that he went for too. So. Yeah. Just something sense. you got to be comfortable with when, you, when yeah. you're speculating in bullpens. I prefer the ability like wing enter when, when I added him for three bucks that first period, um, you know, he came in in like the third inning and then I was like, all right, well, you know, he's not, he's not getting high leverage work. I'm going to move on to the next thing. Um, you know, he pitched, he pitched more high leverage last night. So that might be the wrong decision, but I just prefer that, that, you know, okay. I only spent three bucks on him. I can churn it and burn it as opposed to, I dropped 233 bucks on Will Smith. I need to let him stick around for a month or two. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of juice to spend on him. Um, and then, then you have your next section here is your highest average cost for each acquisition. Yeah. So this is looking at the highest on a per average basis. So this is the one where you can really see, you know, the, in the handful of leagues where certain guys were available, um, what they went for. So, um, this week, the highest average cost, Nolan Gorman was the highest coming off, you know, his weekend of, of home runs. He was available in two leagues. He went for an average of two thirty five. Second guy, Logan Ohapi, some, some, uh, some <laughs> meatball some spent 211 <laughs> on him. Um, Liam Hendricks was available in five leagues. He went for an average of 164, but I think the Hendricks one is interesting because I think of that, um, there was just one, one ad. So yeah, so so Hendricks was added in five leagues, but um, one of them was $405. So of yeah. so half of the $818 um was from one bid one bid right so um and actually six six ten was from two and the same guy friend of yep. the pod friend of the pod dalton del don went out and i i think that's a great grab that's a great aggressive grab um whenever he comes back it's just gonna be so worth it i picked him up in an oc for like 54 bucks and it, the backup was only two but i i don't i didn't care i just yeah. like and it's, it's just that's a guy i i don't like I'll root for that guy on my bench and you know, it could, what a story too. Amen to him. Yep. Him ringing the bell and that, you know, in a, in a, in a doctor's office. I mean, I got, I was amped up, you know, it's just like, it also puts life into perspective too for you. And just like, I gotta stop bitching. Like, because you know, I don't like this food I'm eating right now. Right. It's like, there's always someone working through battles and cheers to him, but yeah, getting back there. That's, that's a lot of money right there, but that's, I think that's money well spent for. Uh, I agree. I agree. It was a good foresight by anybody that he, where he was available because, um, you know, uh, if, if, if it happened, you know, 
right now, if all the, you know, if he was still available now, you know, I, I can't imagine. I think the $400 bid might not be enough for him, um, hundred percent, you know, so, hundred so percent. expensive, but uh, I think uh, immediate returns are, are good based on all the news that have come, that's come out. And, and honestly, nobody in that bullpen is really looking particularly good too. So it's yep. like, he's gonna, you know, he's going to take it when he gets back. So, yep. And, 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 a more note of the highest cost guys, like just like if you're getting into the main event for the first time or just NFBC in general and you're doing the fab, just just understand like the highest owned guys in in the fab pool in your league will will tend to have these higher prices, right? Like the guys who are like in this case, the guys who are just available in five, six or seven, eight leagues, like, you know, um, as long as they're getting run. And they're like a have decent talent that that's gonna really help be the driver of their price. So that's one thing to like kind of factor into when you're doing your fab moves is look look at the ownership percentage and and just say okay like it looks like I'm gonna it's gonna need a lot to take to get this guy you know and that's pretty much the majority of this list except for the McGill and Pierce Johnson because you know. Like you said, opportunity, but the rest of the list yeah. is like, okay, we have to get them to 100% rostered, and yeah, um, that's what happened there. Yeah, yeah. and that's kind of like when you open up the players that are available, like the free agents. The first filter is on ownership percentage. So, like in my league, you know, Ohapi was the guy I wanted, and every time I go to the player, you know, free agents throughout the week, the first guy that's there, 98% owned Logan Ohapi. I'm like, <laughs> everybody in the league is doing the same thing as me. They go to the free agents, they see him there. Right. So, like, you Great know, point. for me, it's a mental thing where it's like, I, I need him, or, you know, he fits my team perfectly, and everybody sees him right at the top of the list. So, it's like, yep. you know, the mental gymnastics you do with yourself um, in these, but, but uh, I don't want to hyper focus on me. So then, the next couple, um, Brandon Marsh, Josh Lowe, Bryce Terang, Tanner Houck, Ellie Harris, Montero, and Brandon Fat was uh, a popular stash for triple digits um, in the two leagues he was available. So guys cut him that first week, um, and then the next week people were eager to snatch him up and stash him, which I found interesting. Um, he is somebody I am stashing in both of my mains as well, um, drafted. Mm -hmm. So yeah. understandable. Yep, understandable too. And plus, like there was news too, right, with Bumgarner, and that just ended up being nothing. It should just come out and say it's not because he has arm trouble; it's because he's not a good pitcher, and we just wanted to have him <laughs> get some fresh air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be but interesting to see what's going to happen with Bumgarner because they're saying really physically, physically he's fine. So, and they pitched Trey Jameson in relief uh yesterday or two days ago so he's not going to take the jobs you know at least this turn so like is Bumgarner going to start this weekend when or whenever his next turn is like it'll be it'll be interesting to see yep absolutely all um, right so then then you have this cool little uh section here called ad of the week tell me about this yeah so uh, you know what i found interesting was um you know i downloaded all of the data um the ads and drops for all the leagues. And what I do is I kind of filter it by, you know, highest to lowest bid. Um, and you can see, you know, the, the real high bids, the guys that went for $400, $300. Um, the runner up a lot of times is like in the teens, like um, mm -hmm. Danny Jimenez went for 363 bucks. The runner up was 26 bucks. So, <laughs> I, you know, I put in the article, it, it might be a little rough way to, 
call it, but I call it like an overspend. It's it's what you what you spent in excess that you didn't need to spend based on the backup bid. Um, so I call it the overspend. So you know, for at least early on, a lot of these um, bids are overspent by by triple digit digits. But the the one that um, the one that stood out to me was actually when you scroll down a bit. Um, there is uh, a bid. Uh, for Tyler Miguel, the overspend was one dollar. So um, Jordan Rosenblum spent one hundred and seventy-eight bucks on Miguel. The runner-up was one seventy-seven. So he uh, he really optimized his bidding there um, by yep. you know bidding one more dollar than he needed to. So that that yep. was awesome. Um, so I, I was going to put that in the article, but as I was looking through the the uh, the listing. I saw his name right below his winning bid for McGill for, uh, for a winning bid for Tanner Houck as well. Um, and that one, he also spent 178 bucks for Tanner Houck in that same league. Um, and the runner up bid there was 33 bucks. So he won both Miguel and Houck for 178 wow. bucks. And while he optimized his bidding on Miguel, he, he overspent for um, Tanner Houck by 145 bucks. So just wanted to, you know, show you know sometimes you know we uh we can't be you know optimized on all our bidding and that was just one so the miguel bid caught my eye as one of the best this week but um you know he he also had a little bit of an overspend on the halk um bit. Yep. that's cool i like that because i kept the running tab last year of my overspends you know and it's really crazy, but I had to have a tendency to always have no backup bids for my guys. And I don't like at some point in the year last year, I again, and this is I'm just keeping a track of it in a spreadsheet and I'm looking at it and I'm trying to analyze what I'm doing. And I'm like, am I am I? <laughs> Am I picking up the right guy because no one else <laughs> likes them, you know, but um, it's, it, it's just so strange, but I thought I was alone, but I, I've talked to some other people. It's like, no, they, they have the same instance, but I have, you know, I have a lot of overspend. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. But not well, like you know, huge overspend, not like, not like the, the hundred dollars a night, but it, it's like 11 yeah. to, to one or, well, but you can't, you can't lose sleep over yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what it is too. It's not fully transparent in terms of you know, like the guys that you might be adding unopposed, quote unquote unopposed, might have been just lower in people's you know bid lists and cool, just right. never got right. to it. And and so you know you're thinking that you're spending money on guys that nobody's on, and like you're like, well, am I doing this right? But it might just be that you know it just their bid list never got to that point, and they were on you know guys so True. that would be cool if like we could see almost like a you know how many how many other teams this guy was on a list for or something like that you know like just so that you're like oh yeah like he was sought after it's just other teams didn't value him as much as i did to put him higher in their in their priority list good point good point yeah that's that's um yeah, because, yeah, yeah that, good, that, good, that would be cool to see. Good, but. good reason to not hyper focus on the overspend and yes. and more just be like, you know, this was a guy I wanted. You know, it, it's it's important to keep an eye on, but it's not not to go crazy about it because you don't yep. we don't have the full transparency of bids. You just have the backup. Um, so 
Um, so then the next section is the drop summary, which, you know, I think you and I talked about just covering drops and difficult drops and notable drops um, because, you know, try to keep people from dropping Spencer Strider and Tyra Estrada like I did last year. So um, so the most popular drops this week um, were the main theme was injuries or demotion. So Joey Bart, Luis Urias, Ryan Pepio, um, you know, injuries there. Um, Brew Baker. Brew Baker yeah. injury. Um, Morel and then, sent down. Yeah, Morel sent down. Um, Fujinami not panning out i think um miguel castro got dropped um in 34 leagues so i guess teams that were speculating on him opted to probably speculate elsewhere um joe jimenez also dropped in 24 leagues teams that were maybe hoping that the braves right-handed you know compliment in rice Glacius' absence would maybe get more of the role but um you know snicker came out and said it's going to be minter so makes sense that teams um, cut him as well. So no, no real surprises there, but um, I did want to ask, like, was there anybody that was dropped? I don't know if you looked and saw anything. Was there anybody that was dropped that um, kind of caught your eye? Yeah. So I, I always found that the, the like interesting drops um, come in like the range of like, five or six leagues to like 13 to 15 leagues, because I feel like those are the, the tougher ones that people are struggling with, like on the, you know, shit, you know, it's like a tough hold or a tough drop. Um, So for me, like uh, again, in 13 leagues, Chris Taylor, right. Um, I dropped him in my auction league. Cause I just thought the writing was on the wall. He looked terrible. He wasn't playing. And, you know, and now of course, Again, Rojas gets hurt and Taylor's in there, um, smacks the ball the last night. It's just like, okay, this is great. But um, I think for me, uh, like Kyle Isbell, right? He was dropped in eight leagues. A guy's playing every day and he had a full week. So yeah. I was shocked at that one because uh, he's got a good schedule this week. And he's, like I said, he's playing every day and he's just good spout. Uh, power speed combo right so that one kind of surprised me Carlos Santana well, you know too. well you know okay, the Isbell Isbe thing you know I think those guys must just be uh subscribed to our um our friend Bjorn Masterson's uh Patreon and <laughs> Bjorn's births because Isbell went on the uh paternity list today so they right. might be on the upper tier there of uh of the paternity list so true, true. I, I was okay. kicking myself because uh I was kicking myself because I started Isbell over Jose Syrian in like six of my eight dcs um, oh okay because yeah, siri tough. was siri was sitting on whatever monday and isbel had the full week um and then i saw he went on paternity list today so uh, yeah nobody nobody really knew that but yeah that's that's a tough one as well um guy that's playing every day um yeah what else i um it's like Corey Kluber dropped in yep. seven leagues. You know, that's yep. bad guy. He's still got a great – his next two, three starts are really solid. I, I get he had a bad start, but he's on a he's on a good team. The Red Sox are scoring way more than we anticipated. And he's just – again, like like we talked about having a guy like Mikolas, like just not sexy, but you keep, you keep those decent arms on your team because there's not going to be better options, you know, going forward. Um, yeah. 
Uh, who else here kind of caught my eye? Um, I guess Leone Tavera. So like for me, if 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 you're drafting him to stash him because you know you think he's gonna be a good power speed combo like a Jose Sierra, like Trent Christian, maybe even better than them. Um, I mean, that's a surprise because they came out and said that he's close, you know, and it would be like mid-April. And so I guess, you know, again, but that could be a, a total roster crunch. I don't know the yeah. context of those rosters, but to me, he was a guy like I drafted and I'm, I was like, I'm holding no matter what, like I could, I really think he's going to be good this year. I think he's going to mm-hmm. provide a lot of roto value. Um, and like, yeah, those were the biggest guys I think that like kind of called. My, uh, oh, and and also Kyle Gibson uh, dropped yep. in eight leagues. And again, it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I haven't looked at why he was dropped, like who who they were picking up for Kyle Gibson. But I guess it's just my fear of not having decent pitching <laughs> that I, I I find those surprising. You know, yeah, you know, I'm not saying these people made bad decisions. Uh, it's just um, in general because of the, you know, the the inability to get starting good, decent quality pitching on the wire. Just for me, that's in like a no brainer to hang on to at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Gibson. I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, the Kluber one definitely stood out to me. I mean, Dylan Floro in, in seven leagues as a drop too. Good point. I, that's that's kind of, you know. The, the overreaction in terms of the um, bidding on, you know, Pierce Johnson and Danny Jimenez. Um, it's just interesting to see the, in my opinion, I'm calling it an overreaction, but it, it's interesting to see the overreaction in terms of cuttable guys um, there as well, because, you know, I definitely don't think that just because AJ Puck picked up the first save, that means that Dylan Floro's like got no value. So if, if I were to have drafted him, I probably would have given him a little bit of a longer um, stay on my roster than to mm-hmm. be cut already. So that, that kind of stood out to me. Um, it'll be interesting to see like Gavin Stone got cut in five leagues um, yep. based on like what happened with Brandon Fat last week, um, you know, he, where he got cut in week one and then immediately went for triple digits by guys stashing him. Um, it'll be interesting to see there. What he goes um, for next week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Some, some of the same thing, some of the prospects, um, you know, uh, that got cut. That would, that's interesting. Let's uh, make a guess. Let's take a guess right now. What's your, what's the average bid next week for Gavin Stone? I'm going to go 85. Uh, go more. Nah, I was gonna say like sixty five. Okay. Um, okay. You, you have to think like not as clear of a path to starts um, as Fat, especially season long starts, right? Like I think once Fat's up, he's gonna be in the rotation. Stone, mm-hmm. um, what's his face? Gonsolin's coming back soon. Pepio's coming back soon. Um, they already kind of have a, a pretty full rotation so yep. um a lot of things would need to go right for him to stick like long term so um yeah i think there'll be interest but yeah it, it's interesting to see the guys that are like added and cut at the same in the same week like where they're like cut in five mm-hmm. leagues but also <laughs> added in five leagues because I, I did notice that um in that first fab run as well where like guys were getting cut. I think it was like Sal Freelich. Like he was getting cut in a bunch of leagues and then also added in a bunch of leagues. So um, 
yeah, and then you know, so he he was also cut again this week, um, maybe by some of the people that added him the first week. So yeah, it's it's definitely really interesting to just dig in and and look and see what people are doing with not just their ads, but also who they're right. cutting and and yeah. the thought thought process behind it. Or what about Nick Martinez? Like he was dropping two weeks, like. I that's that's a to me that's a tough job. Like seven innings, he went first start. I get got Atlanta at Atlanta this week, so that's a sit. But I mean, I don't know. Seems and like a... Seth Seth Lugo got cut in two leagues also. So um, that's wild. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I've been very wrong about their that whole rotation early yeah. on. Like I really, you know, Nick Martinez is a guy. Like my thought process on him is that. He struggles to get through an order the second time through, and like once Musgrove's back, and you know the other guys like Darvish is fully built up and stuff like that. I was like, I think he's going to be back in the bullpen. Um, either him or Lugo. I viewed it as a competition for that last spot, and then whoever didn't win it is going to be pitching out of the bullpen because they're both kind of guys that, in my opinion, I didn't think could go through an order multiple times through but i've been wrong about both of them so far so um maybe maybe that's the thought is that people just don't trust the ability like long term and i I tend to agree with them but until they i I would all if i all had them i'd be i'd be like prove to me that you can't because now that you've done it one time like show me that you're a three inning pitcher um Fucking Lugo too. I'm watching him. Like we could really use him on the. We Mets. could really, <laughs> we could really use him right now. And they never gave him the chance. Like they, they just didn't. They clearly didn't view him the way he viewed himself. himself. So, right. um, right. you know, kind of bet on himself a little bit. So I'm rooting for him. I wish, I wish we had him, and I wish, uh, I wish management viewed him that way. But uh, he, he, he struggled. He struggled second time you know he he struggled the second time um you know when he pitched out of the pen and he sat down and came back up he struggled that second inning all last year so he didn't really do anything to show them that he was ready for a starting rotation but um he gave them a lot of good innings one um it's so funny you you said seth lugo so i'm um i'm i'm running down i'm running down the list here of, of players that were dropped and I see Luis Lugo and I'm like, who, who picked up? Who is Luis Lugo? <laughs> oh, that's the one thing we didn't talk about though. Rob was the Miguel Ty- Tyler Miguel and Trevor Miguel. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's like, that's, that's insane that that happens. Like, like Oh my God. But I, I found three guys, though. I don't want to forget this, but Trevor Larnack was dropped in one league. Bento Torkelson and Oscar Colas. So I immediately think next week in your article, you'll be, those guys will be on your, you know, on the average, on the highest bid. You'll see see Colas, Torkelson, and that one Larnack sitting really close at that top and maybe even cj abrams he was dropping the league too yeah so, i saw that yeah i think those guys are interesting that they, they'll garner a lot of attention especially torkelson i think i think i i don't know i think he's going to be a, a really solid power bat this year from coming from like pick 300 really really solid yeah yeah he said yeah, the ball the, hard tyler mcgill trevor mcgill don't don't make that mistake I, I almost did it when I you was, almost uh, did it. I think, you know what it is. It's like, thank God I was a 
you know, I, I kind of look at bullpens as much as I do. Cause I knew I, you know, I clearly know the difference between Tyler and Trevor Miguel, but I was kind of rushing to do my fab Sunday night and uh, I was just putting bid lists together and I, I put, you know, I was typing Miguel and then I was, and in the league I was doing it in only Trevor Miguel was available. Tyler was already owned. And, mm. and so I was like, Nope, not doing that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, if, if you're, if you're not a Met fan and you know, you know, you don't, you know, his name is not Trevor Miguel, you know, it's Tyler Miguel, or if you don't write about bullpens every day and you know, Trevor Miguel is a middle reliever on the twins. Um, I could see how that the mistake is made. So, um, it's a tough one to swallow, but I, I understand it. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a tab um on your on your um NFBC page. It's on the transaction and it's called pending fab and it's just an overview of all your teams. And Jeff Zimmerman always says this as an important tip. Like when right before that, you know, deadline comes just 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 click on that and just do a general scan of all your teams and make sure that you can catch anything you know anything that you can find that that that's out of whack is you it's a very good chance because like you said you're you're either rushing or you're doing you know 10 fab leagues and you know thing gets things get crazy um yeah. so just take your time out to just look at that and um make sure that you didn't make any meatball moves you know yeah yep <laughs> Yep. It generally happens. But um all right, so let's close this out with your with your unopposed bidding yeah. um thing. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. yeah. So so the yeah, the last the last piece of it was um as I mentioned, the unopposed bid. So I wanted to look at players that were added um without a backup bid. Um so you know, I, I view I, I view this list as a pretty interesting list of players. Um because you don't know the reason why they're not they're unopposed whether it's you know you're just truly the only person that's interested in them in your league or they might be at the bottom of somebody's waterfall and just never gets to it um but i i kind of view it as like i, I put in the article that it's like one man's trash is another man's treasure one guy you know the other 14 players in your league didn't care enough about him to even have a um you know competitive bid for him and and he went so you know the list this week is um players me personally, I could see a path to having value in a roto league, but um, they're flawed profiles, I would say. So, um, the most money that was spent unopposed this week was on Josh Fleming, um, 223 bucks. Um, something tells me he's going to be back on the wire in many of those leagues next week based mm -hmm. on how his start just went. Um, Adam Frazier, power speed. More more speed than power, but good average plays second base and outfield. So, you know, a lot of utility in a fantasy league. Um, he went in unopposed in seventeen leagues, average of eleven dollars. Chris Flexen. Um, so you mentioned Bryce Miller as your speculation. He, I was thinking more Chris Flexen at least in the short term. Um, yep, has yeah has a pretty nice um schedule when I laid it out. So. I was a little interested in flexing, but um, another pitcher that lacks the strikeout stuff that you would really want, but it's a pitcher on a good team in a good park. And you didn't, you know, you didn't know um, if he was going to get the role. So I, I understand why he was, um, I guess, unopposed in 13 of the leagues he was added in, but that looks like a good pickup 13 leagues, average unopposed bid of $14. Um, 
So then the next guy is Martin Maldonado. So, um, big, big juicy bid for him. One yeah, one seventy five. So of of the hundred seventy six bucks spent unopposed on him, one bid was one hundred seventy five of that. So it's pretty much one bid driving that. I don't really know how what Martin Maldonado does that would tempt you to bid one hundred seventy five dollars. But I've been wrong before. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, that tough bid. Yeah, that's a tough bid. Um, Yaner Diaz, who might have more value in, on the same team, um, went unopposed in six leagues, average unopposed bid of $25. think that might be more money spent a little better. Um, Alec Burleson, uh, interesting weekend for him, mm-hmm. um, went unopposed in $10. Uh, went unopposed in 10 leagues for an average bid of $16. Um, so crowded outfield, good, but um, you know, he looked good. So kind of makes sense that some people are more intrigued than others. Other people might want to see it play out. Trace Thompson went unopposed in seven leagues for an average of $21 per unopposed bid. Um, another crowded outfield. So, you know, talented right. guys in crowded outfields. It's tough. It's tough. You know, um, when you have players like this that you can't bank on to start five or six days a week, and they're only getting two or three games, it's tough to roster them. So I get 100%. why. Yep. I get why people aren't um, aggressively after these guys, but it could pay off for the teams that did bid on them. Um, Brandon Crawford went unopposed in fifteen leagues for nine dollars. Brian Abreu went unopposed for, in twelve leagues for an average of eleven. And Austin Nola unopposed for eight uh, in eight leagues for an average of sixteen dollars. So it's a really a bunch of interesting names. I like I said, I, you know, I I kind of can make the argument for almost everyone here in my mind, and they're all players that I I looked at um, this week. So. Um, I like looking at this list and it'll be interesting to kind of monitor it um, yeah, each week. I Cause like I that. think, I think we'll kind of see a bunch of, uh, you know, picks where we'll be like, remember when, you know, Yander <laughs> Diaz went unopposed in, in six leagues back in week two, you know, like we'll, we'll look back at those list and be like, some teams got some good, uh, some good value there. Yeah. Awesome. No, I, I like all this stuff, man. I think you did a wonderful job and um, I think we, really covered a lot of stuff in this podcast. And um, I know we had a little like a lengthy intro because we were just kind of like catching up to what we did, and, you know, strategy wise and like draft season and into the first couple of weeks. But yeah, um, it's going to be well, really good going forward. And I think people will be able to really listen to it and kind of like help their process going forward, at least just to be aware. Again, we're just being, it's just to be aware of the, of the trends in the market and just, you know, like trying to anticipate how much you need to spend on a player um, hearing this data or looking at the data, reading the article can really help you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw an interesting, um, thread on Twitter today, Rob, about, um, you know, players ask, you know, fantasy players asking about, you know, Oh, are, you know, you guys going to be fully transparent about your picks and stuff like that. Obviously not related to this podcast, but you know, I always view these, you know, your podcast and, and anything I listen to or read, um, as like you mentioned, learning to fish, um, I, I don't listen to podcasts or, or read articles for people to tell me who I should be drafting. I look right. at, I, I, I do it to see how other people think and 
how people play the game and think about the game and how I can learn that and, and kind of um, put that into my own process and into my own um, player analysis and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I think, I think if you're looking for the answers to the test um, from other people, you're already lost, you already lost. Like you gotta, you gotta, um, so, you know, I'm hopeful that, you know, in talking through these players and just talking through our process and, you know, you've, your eyes been a lot more successful than me at this, but, you know, I hope to get better. I hope other people can take that and um, get better themselves. So I, I did want to bring that up because I did see that. And I, I thought, you know, it was interesting and I was kind of typing up a reply and then I was like, yeah, I don't really want to, I don't really want to reply on Twitter, but that's what I hope people get out of this. And that's what I am personally already getting out of this. So, um, you know, you can always. You, I think you went on mute somehow in that last 10 seconds. Now you. <laughs> it's all good. You can find your. Can you? Um. Yeah, I'll I'll comment on that real quick. I, I feel that. That was definitely um an interesting tweet and an interesting thread and yeah i i don't i don't want the answers to the test i've never been that kind of person in my life i just always try to develop my own process of things especially in fantasy like i said when i really first started getting into analytics and i was on baseballhq.com that was my first like foray into that i totally I was wowed by the process of being able to understand, you know, good process, reading, reading abstract that made sense and understanding this whole game within a game. And that it's, it's good to hear what other people think about players and how to play the game. And that's why I, I really enjoy talking to people about strategy. Um, but in the end, you know, it has to be your decision. Like everything in life that you do is your decision. So, if you are the um, just tell me the answers or just tell me who to pick type, okay. But like, sure, you'll beat your friends um, in your home league, but that's not going to, you know, bring you success in the NFBC. Um, yeah. And it's just in general, it's just, I don't know. I, I and, and on that topic too, like I talked about Jose Siri all over my podcast. I mean, if you listen to the podcast I did with Ryan Roof dissecting each team and each division, um, we touched on Jose Siri for seven minutes. Did I say he was the best pick in the world? No, but I laid out every single path, every single opportunity for him to be successful. And I said that I've drafted him. I said that whole bunch of things. It's seven minutes long if you want to go listen to it, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and, it, and it's five games into the season. It's, so it it's is, not, you could be a dud. Yeah. It's not like, it's not, it's not like you won an MVP or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I found that interesting and I was, I was kind of laughing about it and I was like, uh, you know, I, I, though I never listened to stuff to be like, oh, well, Phil likes him or Rob (laughs) likes him. So I need to like him because if you're doing that, you've already lost. So, you know, I I always view it and you have to, like, if you're doing the NFPC, you know that everyone that is doing a podcast and stuff like that is your competition. So why would you only want to know who your competition is drafting? So that way you can either draft them ahead of them or bid a, 
ahead of them in fab like it it's just it doesn't make it doesn't make sense it needs to fit your roster and how you're constructing your roster and and like um you know because like it just it, it needs to fit what your team needs and the only way you know what your team needs is to know your team and make the decisions yourself so like i think that um you know that was just something that kind of caught my eye today and you know you mentioned it in terms of your comment on teaching you know everyone to fish and that's me personally what i get from listening to you for the last couple of years and um everything that i absorb from podcasts and articles is just really learning different ways of thinking about player analysis and how yeah. to best integrate that into my own um personal analysis absolutely i think that's that's the best way to do it it's just you know um no one should shape your thought into immediately crossing a guy off a list or adding a guy to a must draft list um like you said everything you hear is just should spur your own analysis and that's what i kind of do when i hear things or read things i make a list of of players and then when i have time i say okay like what what's here that i'm missing or like you know like it's a doing the live drafts in, in Vegas and, you know, walking, like hanging out and draft that people spend ten fifteen thousand $15,000 in entry for. And, 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 and you watch and you're just like, huh. And like not watching the scout, because honestly, I really don't give a shit who you're taking. That's just my whole thing. Like I, I'm, I'm, I have so much on my plate during my draft to focus on, like I'm executing my plan. Right. And also too, I don't need to know where I need, like, I don't need to know where you take a guy or where you might snipe my guy because honestly, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of picks to go to. And that's just the mentality I've, again, I've tried to, like, my first experience where I didn't have the pivot. Um, and so now, like, I'm so cautious of that. And I'm, I have so many routes to go to, so many players to draft, and so many ways to build a team. So if you feel like you're doing one up on me because you took Isaac Paredes and again, another guy that I fucking, I'm never shy about saying who I like. I think anyone who knows my, my style and like everyone knows, I don't think Kerbin Burns is an SB1. Like, it's, 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 it's out there. I mean, just so. I mean, if you feel like you haven't heard it, then you haven't really been listening close. You've probably been doing something else while you're podcasting. So, yeah. you know, while you're listening to podcasts. And that's what people do. Like, it's like a passive thing. I'm, I'll am i do laundry or I'll do this. And you, you might have missed the fact that someone really liked Jose Siri. So, yeah, uh, it's just, again, I don't want to harp on that tweet. You know, we talked a lot about it. But, you know, there's an expectancy that we we should give everyone, you know, this this full answer of yes and no but in in reality it's 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 we're giving honest advice on on people on players and like you said like just go do with it forward what you think and yeah. and, and develop yeah. your own style yeah and and last thing on it is like you know me personally i just listening to you and to you know everyone i listen to um has made me a better player um so you know if you don't feel like you're getting you're getting better by listening i think you need to either reframe your thought process on what you're absorbing or you need to choose you know something else to listen to because that should be the the end goal i mean i, I hope that it's entertaining but you should also be trying to improve as a player um you know so 
that, that's that was my my uh, I guess soapbox on on the subject. But I wanted to touch on it because it did catch my eye, and I wanted to you know because I know you you know you're doing an awesome you're doing awesome stuff with the Patreon. Um, and I, I can't imagine anybody that is subscribing to it that doesn't feel like they're getting their money's worth because you are you are grinding hard and giving so much information um that is amazing so um that's my that's my big plug for you because i know you were you were kind with the recon thing but um you know you're you're doing awesome um and uh you know just make sure you're you're rested and you can you can do Uh, it for six months yeah yeah you are absolutely going crazy but um you're doing awesome it's really good and and that's the feedback from everyone that's that i've talked to about it is just like it's amazing. The discord is impossible for me to keep up in. I'll, just, so I'll pop, I'll pop in for like a couple minutes. Like, you know, I'm on my lunch break or something like that. Um, I'll pop in and I'll just be like, all right, I, I can't keep, I can't keep up. I'll just see what the most recent messages are and see what's going on. But it, it's good. Yeah. There's a lot of, it's nice when there's people that are as baseball crazy as you and me and, you know, everyone that we play this game with. Um, so it's, you cool. know what I've learned the most in that discord. It's crazy too. Like you said, it's, an hour and a half, like I, that, uh, I was doing something. I go back to 112 new messages, and I'm like, yeah. "What the fuck? What is <laughs> we talking about?" But it's great. But you know what? I've also realized, man, how many smart people are in this space. Yeah. Because there's like people on Twitter that don't talk, and I feel like some of these members might be, you know, like just just hanging out, like reading and learning. But when like the stuff that other people are bringing out or, or touting or bringing up. And I'm like, huh. it's like, again, it's learning from everyone. Right. And, and I've always felt that in life that you learn by watching people and, and you say, that's what I should do. And you also learn by saying that's something I shouldn't do as well. Right. You have to be yeah. able to identify, but everyone in the discord is just super bright and super sharp. And I've just come to realize, like, I, obviously we know that this NFBC space is really competitive, but it just opened up my eyes even more like this, this it's, it's, it's great. The, I, and I love it. I love the competition. I love um, just, just, seeing that develop and, and and it's it's really cool but i appreciate it and i think that the patreon thing and i get and that's another thing i saw on twitter is people like i've seen some words i've seen people say things and they bring it up like oh is another person with a patreon and this and that and yeah and you know what i don't give a fuck like i i i could say that i i i subscribe to rotowire baseball hq Razball, you know um prospects live um, everything like a fan graphs. I have every single thing you can imagine. Picture list, right? And on top of that, recon on Patreon, Zach Waxman on Patreon, Prospects Live on Patreon, gaining the edge. Like, I, I don't like. To me, what you're gonna pay per month, you're gonna you're gonna get the value to win more money, right? And that's the whole point. We're playing. It's fun. Yeah, we want to win chips but in 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 this nfbc space like you're it's you can be very lucrative so why wouldn't you have access to people who are covering but not like you know like like you guys like is that such a perfect thing like you guys cover everything there is to know about relievers and it's just wild to me that some people would would like shake their head and be like oh here's another 
there's here's more content that you have to pay for but if it works and it's really actionable then it's nothing to me it's just like yeah and and i'll support good good honest people all day yeah 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 absolutely and you know nobody's nobody's forcing you to to do it so you know like um you know like this podcast is is uh available for everybody so you know there's there's stuff um available that you know nobody's forcing you to uh to pay if you don't want to and it's totally understandable you know i make some of my daily streaming articles available for people um you know a couple times a month just free so um you know if if you can't or you don't or you're not interested um no no problem but no reason to kind of put people down that are, are working hard and trying to put something out there to to make people better and also you know to you know it's a side hustle most you know most people don't have the ability to work in fantasy baseball full-time for their jobs they're doing it on their free time so you know um if it's not for you you can just not say anything at all so yes yes i i think that's a good thing that's a that's a perfect way to end it up but all right dom appreciate you uh coming on um you can follow dom on twitter at bullpen guru right is there any underscores in there no no underscores no underscores Um, good yeah next next week uh no pod i'll be traveling family Mm -hmm. spring break i'll still try to get the article out um before i head out of town and then we'll we'll do you know if you want to wally pit me and get somebody else in we'll be quicker we'll be shorter next the next uh, yeah 100 in the future we got I think a lot to catch like, up on yeah a lot to catch up on telling everyone how the article will be broken down and um yeah 100 it'll be it'll be nice and to the point and just straight to the fab next time but awesome dom i think this yep. came out really good and uh we'll catch you next time on the right. podcast later man sounds good thanks rob Alrighty, folks, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Poe Hitter Podcast. Once again, I'm Rob D., the Dead Poe Hitter. Always catch me on Twitter at Dead Poe Hitter and at Poe Hitter Pod. Catch me also co-hosting the Launch Angle Podcast with Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver. And head on to the Patreon. Just come give it a shot. I promise that uh, I won't let you down. I'm really giving my all into providing the best actionable stuff. Um, Again, and I'm also just covering a lot of under-the-radar players in my notes. I'm not talking, you know, we're not talking about the night that Mike Trout had the night before. I give roster ship and ownership percentages of every player that I bring up in the main event and the online championship so you can have in your head if this player might be available in your league and you can go ahead and maybe add that guy to the watch list based on what... Um, he's done the previous night or what he's been doing consecutively. So, um, anyway, come give it a shot. Um, we got a lot of people in the discord really contributing to make this an awesome experience. So with that being said, everyone have a wonderful night and don't be a bag of shit.